attention please this is yab chicago my name is edgar perez alongside bowling and lees we're back for another episode guys how you feeling tonight chilling 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 first half of the basketball season is wrapped up we got an all-star we got a three-point contest contestant things are durant is coming <laughs> durant's coming to the bulls baby oh god confirmed confirmed hit up shams for all the details <laughs> amazing I'll just start with the the all-star rosters. I think that LeBron's starting five is just like the craziest shit I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like if you could start, like if you were going to do a franchise mode and you could just pick players from any team, they'd be pretty damn close to what I'd want the team to look like. Yeah, and Jokic is going to absolutely kill it on there. Um, but I'm happy that, that Levine actually got put with like Zion Williamson. I feel like they're going to do some crazy shit mid-game. They're going to be, like, throwing lobs to each other, trying to outdo each other. Because, I mean, let's be real. When it comes to dunks, like Zach Levine, Williamson is going to be someone that you really want to see in the dunk contest in the future. And, I mean, the All-Star game is basically just a glorified dunk contest. So, with that, I mean, I think that's going to be awesome, personally. So, Zach Levine for MVP is what you're telling me. God, no. Well, I mean, it's not a bad <laughs> pick, shit. Only a couple of them are going to really try. I mean, he might not be on the floor at the end of the game, but, you know, Edgar, you and I were there last year. It was like that kind of – that Elam ending where you're playing kind of just to get to a final score, the, the energy was just like lit, man. Like I hope they can get some way to pump in some music or have a DJ or something since there's not going to be any fans because that kind of that kind of energy is just like unmatched. That was just like the coolest shit ever. I thought the, sh- the funniest shit was when LeBron stated why Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell were the last two picks. <laughs> he said, because when we were kids and we were playing video games, ain't no one ever played with the Utah Jays. Come on, now. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> He's not wrong. Shit. The only time you ever used them probably was NBA Jam, and they were like babies when that was out. So, <laughs> shit. I mean, what what's... I don't know. I, I don't want to take a dump on Utah, but I can't imagine it's like that cool. <laughs> All right. So the Bulls head into the all-star break at 16 and 18. Uh, I mean, it's better than you would have thought at the beginning of the season. I think they need improvement down low. I texted in our group last night that I'm over Wendell Carter Jr. And I slept on it and I'm still over Wendell Carter Jr. <laughs> because he, I feel like somebody needs to like shake him at the shoulders and be like, yo, you're skilled. You can shoot. You can do all this shit. But when you catch the ball and immediately turn and not look at the basket, no one's going to respect you as a scorer. So I don't know. It's one thing to have that guy get torched by all the best bigs in the league and they're doing their best, but you're not, you're not contributing offensively. I think there's a problem there. And I don't know how you guys feel, but I'm starting to lose my faith in Wendell Carter Jr. as our center of the future. Yeah, I saw last episode that I thought that they needed a true point guard to help them out. They also need a big. They Time in, time out, they get beat up on the inside, whether it be offensive rebounds, easy little lay-ins for the big men on the other team. I mean, unfortunately, our pick for Zion Williamson with the 
over points for Wednesday. He did not hit. <laughs> he got right underneath those 28 and a half. He got 28 points. Um, but even he was just dominating on the inside. Anything he wanted in there, he would take. Um, I do know that Shams actually brought up the fact that the Bulls might be interested in Andre Drummond. That is an upgrade for the team, but I feel like long-term it's not going to be a, a good fix. Um, he's big stats, empty calories kind of guy. Um, he's going to be someone that's going to get you 20 rebounds, and none of them are going to come in the in crunch time in the fourth quarter. You're not going to even want him out there because he's not a good free-throw shooter. Uh, he's not good offensively. Um, so even though he might be able to fix the defensive part, he lacks everything else. So it's going to be basically a tougher Carter Jr. out there as opposed to actually Carter Jr. who's on a baby contract with his rookie salary. Yeah, and I agree with everything you just said. But for me, I think that – I can't even believe I'm going to say this because I don't really love the Andre Drummond – trade idea either but maybe he's just been like misunderstood the whole fucking time like he's not played on any good teams he's not had any motivation to like actually want to be you know a guy and you throw him in a situation with a young team that hey maybe we might make a a playoff appearance and he can be a big part of the reason why like maybe his attitude changes I don't know I just am so sick of the idea that our center is averaging seven points and seven rebounds. Like the, it's just not enough. So you think Andre Drummond is going to be like, baby, I can change. I, I'm a different <laughs> man now. That's kind of like we had with Zach. It's no? like the girl. It's like the girl that goes away for summer camp and comes back and she's just hot. It's like, oh my god, what <laughs> happened to you? You just went to camp and now you're a smoke show. Incredible. Like maybe he just needs that change of scenery. Where I mean, living in Cleveland obviously is whack as hell, and he got <laughs> shipped off from Detroit. It's like, shit, now you get to go to Chicago and like maybe thrive? I'd like to take a chance on it. If we could ship out Otto Porter and get a pick back for him, I think that works. And it's kind of the argument we had with Zach, right? We get him under a, a motivated coach and a motivated situation, and all of a sudden, boom, you get a player that, uh, that develops to the level that Zach has gone this season. And I'm not saying Drummond's going to get to that level, obviously, but I, I would prefer having you know Andre Drummond come in instead of seeing Daniel Gafford out there. You know who can't right. shoot and dunk, down boy. And the other part of it is Drummond's still young. Like yeah. I think he looks like he's old as he's hell, like but I think. he's in his mid. He's in his mid twenties, a little maybe late twenties. So it's not like he's over the hill. Shit, he just needs something that he can, you know, get excited about and motivated. And I don't know. Yeah, twenty seven. This is yeah, twenty seven years old. So that he's got a lot of basketball left in front of him. I don't think that. Having him on our roster, if we can get a, a decent trade for him, is going to set us back. It would only make us better. And sure, maybe he's not a part of the long-term plans, but when you get to this point where you're starting to compete and you're two and a half games out of the three or four seed, like you got to start taking chances if you are going to be serious about making a playoff run. Yeah, I don't think that they'd be able to trade Otto Porter and get a pick back. They would want the pick because mm-hmm. Andre Drummond's a way better asset than Otto Porter. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it would be something. I mean, and I know it's sad, but that's kind of what we've been talking about the Bulls all year, that this is finally a year where we're paying attention and we care. Um, so that it, it is something. It's a trade, and it shows to the fans, like, hey, we're actually here to um, try to win now. But I don't think that, that the GM is actually going to do that. 
Um, I, I think he's going to play it safe, try to rebuild in the offseason a little bit. Um, I think he's going to take some flyers on some people, kind of like Toronto did with like Stanley Johnson, stuff like that, and kind of mm. build the team through the development portion. Um, because, I mean, with Zach Levine, even though he was on with crappy head coaches beforehand, you can tell he had skill. He had different skill. Andre Drummond's skill is being big as hell and getting rebounds, and that's it. He, he's not going to be able to dribble the ball. He can't shoot. I mean, he had that one terrible play where he looked like he fucking hit his own arm on the way up and threw the ball straight up in the air. But I, I don't know. I, I just don't think it, it's going to be that exciting if we get Andre Drummond. But, I mean, who knows? Real quick before we move on, uh, one thing I did want to get into into this conversation too is that the Bulls, if they want to, in my eyes, in order for them to improve in the second half, they're going to have to learn how to close out these games, man. We saw another example of this with the Pelicans where they were up by 19 at one point. And, you know, they, they just choked it away. And it seems to me, my theory on this is the Bulls play so fast. You know, they're up there and their pace of play with the rest of the NBA. But it seems like at the end of the day where they're trying to close games out, they, they, they slow it down too much where just because you're trying to slow down the game and, and kill out the clock does not mean your whole office needs to stop moving. Like a lot of times at the end there, it's just Zach at the top of the key just dribbling away or it's Kobe and they're just running out the clock, but no one's moving, nothing's really developing, and then either Zach puts up a weird contestant three or, you know, they get a turnover or Kobe drives into someone's chest without doing anything. Like, you know, Lee's <laughs> likes to say he's like a little kid running around. <laughs> like he's lost in the mall. Yeah. so <laughs> Trying to find his mom. To me, I think that's one of the more important things to, to, for them to kind of learn and take into the second half is at the end of those games – Yes, you want you want to kill you want to use up all that clock, but you still got that offense still needs to move around. You know, you still want to use all that all that shot clock to at least get a bucket, at least get, you know, at least get two points, at least get to the free throw line, something. A lot of the times, like I said, it's frustrating seeing them uh, just jack up contested shots. And a lot of the times that's what's leading, you know, to the momentum for the other team to come back and make runs. Yeah, and it's not even just late in the shot clock. Like they get fr- you know, frenetic and then they put up a bad shot with 10 seconds left on the shot clock. So you're A, not using all the clock, but B, you're not getting any good looks at the basket. And I notice, I mean, anyone that's watched all these games knows they just like turn into this mode where they feel like they can coast and they stop playing to win and start playing not to lose. And that's when other teams get aggressive. And when teams get aggressive, you give them momentum, you give them confidence. Now all the shots start falling. Like I feel like JJ Redick wasn't hitting very much in the first half. Had a, he's been struggling this season. They get two steals, bam, hits a three. Turnover, bad shot, bam, hits another three. And now they're back in the game. Now it's a seven, eight-point game, and it's manageable. I mean, they got it all the way down to a three-point game because they like to foul three-point shooters. Like, I've never (laughs) seen a team foul so many three-point shooters. It drives me freaking crazy. It's like I could hear my high school coach saying, close out without fouling, but just, like, screaming it. Like, I bet Billy Donovan just, like, loses sleep over that shit because I don't know what he can do more to tell them to not fucking foul three-point shooters. And a lot of the times they make that shit. He was visibly yeah, pissed at the end of that game, too. Yeah, he was upset. And I would yeah. say this is actually where Edgar's point from the last episode um, is very important. I actually think Sadoransky should finish off the games. Mm. Uh, Kobe, Kobe White, too many times, there's defensive lapses. If you're going to play against a good team as well, they're going to pick on him, too, because he's so small. So it's it's a detriment to the team to have him out there. Yeah, he he gives a little bit extra uh, push on offense, 
but Sedoransky is also going to do the right passes as well. I mean, the two people, and no offense to Zach, he's playing his fucking balls off this year. But with that, he kind of struggles in clutch time. He has a lot of turnovers. He takes a lot of dead shots. And maybe it's because in his head, he's like, hey, I am the guy, so I have to do this. But I think he kind of has to relax. The people that actually did pretty well in that clutch time were Garrett Temple and, like, Thad Young. Garrett Temple had a a nice little drive where he got the guy in the air, was able to do a a dump-off pass to Thad Young. Thad Young did a little flip shot over Zion Williamson. Stuff like that, it's a small pass that no one sees. Garrett Temple had an open lane to the basket, but he was like, you know what? Easier easier scoring option right here. It's small stuff like that that's going to help out the team. So, I mean, put Saddle out there instead of Kobe White because that that boy is playing like a chicken with his head cut off sometimes, man. Yeah, he is. And it's disappointing because, I mean, he's still really young. Like, maybe sometimes I'm just, like, too critical. But for the guy that we're going to develop and be a part of this in the long run, he's getting a lot of good opportunities to show that, like, okay, I've been burned in the past. I've been out of control. I've taken bad shots. But – now I need to learn that when these games come down to the wire, I got to make sure I'm making the right pass. I'm not giving up on defense and make adjustments to just be better. And we haven't seen a ton of that. You know, you see it in spurts and that's part of the development process. But eventually in the next couple of years, we're going to have to be relying on these guys. And I think that it would help, you know, maybe piss them off one night. Like you mentioned uh, Lee's a couple of weeks or maybe last episode, like when they took out Kobe it looked like he was pissed and he came back in and he made a couple shots and he was on cruise control. Like I, I don't have a problem with Sadoransky finishing the games because a, that veteran presence is calming. Like when, when Kobe is frantic and then he's looking at Zach, like Zach do something. Now Zach's like, well, what they're doubling me. What can I do? It all just looks like a, a like a Chinese fire drill. And you're just like, don't know what to do. <laughs> don't know how to handle this. We'll just see what, throw something at the wall and see what sticks. And they got to set up Project Pat more, man, uh, especially late mm-hmm. game. He has a little bit of touch around the basket as well, but have him going downhill towards the towards the rim. If he gets a, little, a few more highlights, I mean, I can't believe he was kept off of the Rising Star roster. Like, how the hell, if you're watching the actual NBA, it's kind of like Christian Wood. He actually called all of the coaches casuals because of the people that they picked <laughs> on the All-Star team. Uh-huh. Like, how, how the fuck are the NBA coaches the casuals? But anyways, like... <laughs> yeah, that doesn't make pro- any sense. Pro- Project Pat should be on that roster, man. But with that, the Bulls actually have to put the ball in his hands when it matters um, so he can shine and also so he could get those reps because at the end of the day, that's what we're hoping he becomes, right? Everyone does the Kawhi comparison. Yeah, Can't Get him in the mid-range. Get him... I mean, even if it's a clunker of a shot, yesterday showed you there was a bunch of clunkers of shots. Uh-huh. There was such a nasty brick sound that uh, Kobe White 3 made. I actually even put it in the group chat. Like, you heard the thud when he <laughs> shot it. <laughs> like, get, give, that Pat- give that shot to Patrick Williams instead so like, he can get more experience with those shots. I think Patrick Williams yeah. is going to have a... a, a- a good second half, a lot, a lot better. I mean, I think part of the reason why he was left on that roster is because he didn't come out the gate so hot, you know, but he's had 13, 13 plus points in four of his last 15 games. And he's, he's looking a lot more comfortable out there. He's looking more aggressive going to the paint 
and it, that three point shot's fallen a little bit. I mean, I I, I went back and looked. I mean, it's Quarter not like threes. Yep, it's not like he's hitting you know you know three four a game, but he looks comfortable shooting. He's definitely not hesitating as much anymore. I remember early on he'd get that ball in that same position and he'll hesitate and then he'll just try to drive it in. But I think he's gonna have a big second half because of that. I agree. If we can get him in the sets where he can get some dribble, dribble handoffs and like mm-hmm. you said, Lee's going downhill. His mid range game is polished. Like he's only going to get better at that. And he's tall, he's long, he's strong. I mean, he's big enough to kind of body up with a lot of guys he's guarding. So why not have him come off those screens, you know, get into somebody's chest, maybe draw a foul. He's a solid free throw shooter. But I, I hope that, you know, like you said, he's more aggressive in the second half. Maybe he uses the the rising stars snub as, as some motivation. Like, fuck, you guys weren't watching me. Like, let me show you what I can do. You know, the crunch time stuff is what's going to end up mattering for the Bulls. Um, my main crush from this draft was Tyrese Halliburton. He's won the Kings like three games by himself in crunch time. Uh-huh. So I want them to put Project Pat in a situation like that where they give him a chance to actually do something with the ball. Um, I know we have Zach Levine, but that's part of it too. You have all the gravity from Zach Levine, make him take two people. Even if you have Zach Levine drive, kick it to Patrick Williams, and then he drives. Easier shot for him. Uh, Bowling, you said he already has a good mid-range game. Put it put it into effect, man. Just use it. Use it to yep. your team's advantage. Well, now that we're at the All-Star break, I'm sure Billy and the boys are going to get back and, uh, you know, get into the film room, go over what they need to do to come out, you know, stronger in the second half because they got a hell of a test. They got the 76ers coming on Thursday, and after that they got a back-to-back with Miami on, on Friday after that. But the good thing is they got five of those games – at home, coming out, coming out in the second half. So hopefully, you know, they get a little comfortable to do some studying and uh, you get this back on the road. Got to get the guys healthy. Got to make sure none, nobody tries to go to Tulum like everyone else in the fucking world. <laughs> we got to keep these guys in Chicago, maybe put some bubbles around them. I don't know. I'm excited, man. It's been a long, long time since we got to have the opportunity to be excited about second half Bulls basketball. And I just hope that Everyone gets healthy. We Hopefully we get Laurie back, you know, right after the All-Star break and see what he can provide. So see what kind of – yeah, something yeah. like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, coming up next, we're going to preview UFC 259 where three championship belts will be on the line. Our guy Dave Ross from Stadium joins us to break it all down. Welcome back to Yap Chicago with Edgar Bowling and Lees. Guys, UFC 259 takes place this Saturday, March 6th, from the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. Where there'll be three championship belts on the line, and we wanted to bring in someone to help us get a better look at the matchup. So we hit up our guy, Dave Ross, who is a host at Stadium and follows the UFC closer than anyone I know. He's at Dave Ross on Twitter. Dave, how are you, man? I'm great. Uh, it's just bizarre, like Bowling and, and Edgar... And Lee's, all three of you guys have better voices than me. Like, Ed, Edgar's <laughs> voice is so, it just drips through the airwaves. It's so good. Oh, man, it's the mic. So it's I'm, not even me. I'm so jealous instantly with them being on this podcast 10 seconds in. <laughs> yeah, I, appre- I appreciate the love, but I, I think Edgar's got the sound department on lock. I'm just going to mess around with the hot takes and drop a couple of bombs and have some fun. <laughs> But Dave, uh, we want to get started in the the first of the three championship fights, and uh, the first one on tap is Aljamain Sterling versus Peter Yan going after the uh, the bantamweight title. I think this is probably the most interesting fight, at least when you're talking about even fighters, 
They both yeah. have different styles, but I don't think this is probably the hardest fight to kind of predict. How do you see this fight? I'm with you on that, Edgar. It's it's interesting. I talked to the Funk Master, shameless plug. You can go to the stadium right now. Uh, we've got the whole interview up because Michael Bowling puts it up there. Um, <laughs> but it, it's interesting when you listen to him because I said, you know, does it take just one? You said on Twitter to Peter Yan, it just takes one takedown, right? And then Peter Yan retorted, you better have a plan B, get on your bicycle. Then he spoke some Russian to him. And I didn't understand that. But it was like, <laughs> They were going back and forth, but it was almost like the Funk Master was not really getting in his head, but telling him, dude, if I take you down, you're in a world of hurt. We all know Peter Yan has got, we all believe, the distinct advantage with the hands. But Aljamain told me his hands have gotten a lot better. Uh, it, it helped set up his win over Sandhagen, which I thought he was really impressive his last time out to get this title shot. And I think you're looking at the two best bantamweights right now in the world. And it's so hard. I normally like to pick guys that have more ways to win the fight. And that's why I'm leaning to Aljo in this one ever so slightly. But he cannot get into the trap that we see guys get into, i.e. Curtis Blades last weekend against Derek Lewis, where when you do okay standing up, as Blades was doing with Derek, you fall into the trap. Well, oh, this guy's not that big a puncher. And then the next thing you know, you're knocked out. So even if the Funk Master holds his own with Peter Yan early, I wouldn't fall into that trap. I would keep looking for level changes and ways to get this fight down on the mat because that's where he does have a distinct advantage. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I hear you all the time when, when we're doing these preview shows with you and, and Ricardo saying styles make fights. And mm-hmm. this, is, this is an interesting one because to me, I, I really do believe that Peter Yan has a as a – you know, somewhat of an advantage because if he can get Aljo to stay up, I think, yes. you know, this is going to be a, I don't want to call it an easy fight. I think it's going to be very close. I'm hoping it's very close, but I don't think he can strike with him. But my take is I think this could be the beginning of a, a good little maybe trilogy. So I'm, hope, I'm hoping to God that it's a very close fight and, you know, they put on a show and, and everyone wants to see it uh, run back. The only thing that I'm disappointed with a little bit, gents, to start off this thing, and, and Bowling, you might have sensed it in the interview with me and Aljo. I, I was trying to get Ricardo and then Aljo uh, to kind of play into the whole Rocky Four thing, right? Peter Yan being the Russian. And I, I think, like, Aljo should come out to James Brown. He should have the red, white, and blue. They should put Peter Yan in the center of the octagon. He has to crane his neck all the way up. As the fire's <laughs> coming down, and they're lowering Aljamain Sterling. Like, that would be a show. Mm-hmm. But as I pointed out, the only problem with that analogy is Apollo died. So I, I don't want that. <laughs> so, so that would be the only problem with the analogy. But I do think it's, it's, it's okay. I, you know, I even had Andrew Yang on a preview show, and I asked him if it's okay that we kind of buy into that American, Russian, you play up the countries, Brazil, you know, Michael Bisping from England. If we play up the nationality, in, in these fights, and I don't have a problem with it. It got ugly with Connor and uh, Habib Nurmagomedov. I think that, mm-hmm. that crossed lines, you know what I mean? So there's always a fine line. These two have come close, but I don't think it's gotten to that level. So as long as they do that, I really don't have a problem with kind of the, the Russian shtick that Peter Jan was saying to, to Aljo on Twitter. And I don't mind buying in that I'm going to root for the American. I, I don't think that makes me innately a bad MMA fan just because if I pick <laughs> the American against the Russian. <laughs> Yeah, and Dave, you brought up the fact that Jan started uh, speaking in Russian on Twitter. 
Yeah. Uh, if you actually translate it, it says, I will crush you. No, I'm just kidding. See? <laughs> well, you know, I, at least you had me. I wouldn't know, right? I, <laughs> that's what I thought, too. Is this some Drago stuff that he's no. putting on there? But, yeah, I mean, he said, Al just said it doesn't bother him, that he, he thinks it bothers Peter Jan, the trash talk on Twitter. And, look, we live in a different day and age, gents, from, you know, fighting back in the day. Now social media does play a part of it. I mean, uh-huh. that's how some people actually get fights and some people get pissed off. And I, I think Peter Jan has been affected by it. But as Aljo said to me, he said, man, he doesn't know my history. I do this to all the fighters I fight. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's true for sure. And that's why I like Aljo. I feel like it's definitely always a show, but he can bring it, you know, it's yeah. not all talk. It's not, you know, all a facade. You know, we had that media day, back you know what feels like three years ago when <laughs> Henry Cejudo was kind of just like throwing you know he's throwing the the magic stuff out and he had the magic yeah. hat and the cape and it's like man he can back it up you know like that right. guy's his triple champ so this guy I mean like Aljo I think that's who I'd pick that's who I want to see win but I'm just really hoping that it's a, it's a good show a nice long fight and we can kind of you know both guys can be like all right we got to do this again yeah, I, I think you're going to get that. This And Ricardo said it too. I mean, there's some fights on here that are on this fight card that are sneaky good. Obviously, this being a championship fight, it's not sneaky. It's going to be good. Mm. I, I cannot see this being a competitive fight. I don't know if it goes the distance, but I think if it goes the distance, that's actually going to benefit Aljo because then I think he's gotten the fight down to the ground. And as he said, if I get one takedown, that will be the beginning of the end because it's going to sap his energy. He's mm. constantly got to be thinking about the takedown, right? If the fight stays standing bowling, I'm with you. I don't think this is going to be very competitive, and it might even be a quick night. Mm-hmm. So the longer the fight goes, you try to sap the Russian of the strength, <laughs> just like Rocky did to Drago, and then the Cold War is over. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I think you should run it. for president on that. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I, I do think you hit it on the head, though, Dave. Um, I actually think that Sterling has way more in his arsenal. He has different ways to attack Peter Jan. And I feel like Peter Jan's going to rely heavily on his hands. Um, and he's going to be looking for takedowns. But I do think that Aljo has enough in him to be able to bring him down to the floor and uh, kind of do what he did to Sanhagen. Sanhagen, he was very impressive. Even though, it was only, even though it was only two rounds, it felt like he was patient. And once he had the opportunity, he jumped on it. Um, if I were actually looking at it, because I do know that Aljo's a slight underdog, yeah, I would actually put my money on Aljo, man. I, I think it's better value. And also nowadays in MMAs, it's the people that are jack of all trades yes. that are able to actually, you know, win these championship fights and kind of separate themselves in these tough, tough, uh, like main event type fights. Totally agree, Lee's. And I'll tell you this, looking at his fight camp uh, coming out of Longo uh, and Matt Serra in New York City, they got some killers there. I mean, the Ally Quintas, if you remember the Habib fight, uh-huh. he comes from that camp and, you know, he pushed Habib. That one went the distance. Uh, and he's, his striking has gotten better, and they do everything there at that camp, obviously, to, to get well-rounded. So you've seen Aljo get better. And, Lise, when you mentioned the Sanhagen fight, look, I was dead wrong on that. I thought Sanhagen had arrived, and this was going to be his moment. And, I mean, Aljo. Same. Just, I thought the wow. same. It, it, I was so impressed with Aljo being able to get him down, wear him out, and then finish him uh, in that second round. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. After seeing that, it really changed my view of the evolution of Aljermaine Sterling from not just being a wrestler 
but being a guy who is a true mixed martial artist now. And he even said that to me in the interview that he feels like he has seen his own progression. He's had some bumps in the road as everybody not named Israel Adesanya or John Jones normally has in their progression in this sport, but he's learned from them. He's gotten better. And that camp, I'm telling you, man, I look at pedigree and they got a lot of guys that are championship caliber guys that he trains with. Yeah. I think he's got more ways to win. Do not fall into a false sense of security and stand uh, and trade the whole time. I think if you mix it up, he's going to win that fight. Dave, let's move on to the co-main event in this where the women's featherweight belt will be on the line. Amanda Nunes oh, yeah. defending it against Megan Anderson. The betting odds do not look good. I mean, it's, <laughs> <laughs> Amanda's a heavy, heavy favorite, but Megan Anderson does have the size advantage, and she seems pretty confident in her interviews. Do you think her size is something that can help her stay in this fight longer than people anticipate? All right, who has control of stripping the audio after the fight with what I'm about to say? Like, who can erase what I might say right now that cannot be played back? In We're not erasing anything, Dave. Is, is it Lee's? Is it Edgar? Is it we, Baldwin? No, we ain't doing, sh- now. We ain't doing shit to the audio, Dave. Play. Hey, this, this, this is a media outbreak. Get it ready. Get it ready. <laughs> I, I really think Megan Anderson has a chance for this fight, one, to go the distance. And that's the first thing. I, I think it's good plus money. I think it's like plus 360 yep. last I saw. Got my eye on uh, I really like that. Think of this. Amanda Nunes has gone the distance in her last two fights that she's been out. And she's been dominant in those fights, but she has gone the distance. Um, Megan Anderson, that length is going to be a problem. And if Amanda decides to take the fight down to the ground, watch out because she's got some like Brian Ortega in her, in her where she throws up triangles all over the place. So, yes, of course, there's a reason why Amanda Nunes is the big favorite. She should be the big favorite. She is the GOAT of of female MMA. I don't think there's any debating that now. But I really think you have a live dog here. I'm not predicting she wins this fight, but I do think it goes the distance. And if it goes the distance, Amanda and Nina Ansarov, her partner, just had their first child. I am not a dad, but I have heard that it changes people and you can't sleep at night. And you can't be yourself. So I wonder if the lioness has gotten any sleep leading up to this fight. Wow. We're tossing in the the baby narrative. I Uh, love it. I don't think the baby's at camp, Dave. So Megan, Megan, Megan Anderson is scar and she's going to toss off, toss off the lioness. Is that what you're telling me? I I think that the baby could play a role in how much sleep the lioness has had. I mean, you want to talk about conspiracy theories. Here we go. But I mean, (laughs) is the baby Simba at this point? I just wonder if it affects her because it seems to affect every other mere mortal that has their first child. She said, and I heard her this week that nothing has been affected her training regimen hasn't changed. That's what she says. I find that hard to believe. Mm. But Megan Anderson is a, as we've noted, taller woman, great with striking. I wouldn't stand and trade after what we saw Amanda do to the likes of Ronda Rousey and uh, certainly Chris Cyborg at 145 pounds. But the bigger woman here is Megan Anderson. And if she takes this fight down and can gain some control, Amanda Nunes back in the day – had cardio issues. She has overcome those issues in the last couple of years. But with the baby factor, I wonder <laughs> if they rear their ugly head once again. That's all I'm saying. You got a live dog with Megan Anderson. I love that. I love that pick. Honestly, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I feel like 
we know that <laughs> Nunez is definitely the GOAT, but all GOATs, you know, they, they have their time. And maybe yeah. this isn't her time, but I do like this, uh, this fight to go to the distance. I think Megan Anderson senses this opportunity um, to, to really just, like, burst onto the scene. I don't, I'm not sure how many people really know just how, you know, good and effective she is oh, wow. in her fights. You know, we had the opportunity to see her when UFC was in Chicago and mm-hmm. I-, I learned that day. I was like, Oh God, like, okay, she's for real. And, you know, I think that, you know, the points you make are great. I love the baby narrative, but <laughs> as a, as a, as a bait, as a betting man, like I, I really do love the, the, the value you get in just to see a fight go the distance. Yeah. And, Yes. I, I've been I've been betting on UFC for quite a while now, and for whatever reason, just you know, whatever it is, the 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 female fights tend to go a little longer in the distance category, I guess I'll say. So if there's value on it, I definitely think that you know that's a, a way that I'm going to lean. But I could see we could. I, it sounds like you and I could see Megan winning the fight. I think there's pathways there, bowling, and I, it's interesting because if you're if you're trying to handicap this. Like, the way that I would play it is obviously I'd take to go the distance or at least the over number mm-hmm. of rounds, and then you're going to get some plus money there. And then I would sprinkle a little bit on Megan. And the reason is Amanda in her last two fights where she's been completely dominant, well, we saw what she did. She kind of put it in cruise control, and it, which is fine. I mean, she's, she was never in jeopardy. She won every round. But she doesn't feel the need to try to finish her opponent because she wasn't really jeopardized. Mm-hmm. I think if she gets in a bit of trouble, that's when panic sets in. She hasn't panicked the last couple of fights. There's been no need to panic. I think Megan might force her to go, uh-oh, this isn't Felicia Spencer. <laughs> I've, I've got a fight here, and I've got a more – no disrespect to Felicia, but Megan Anderson is way more skilled at mm-hmm. this stage of her career than Felicia is at hers. So I really think people are going to be in for a surprise early on when they go, whoa, Megan's not going anywhere. And that's why when this fight goes to two, three rounds, all of a sudden you go into those championship rounds, anything can happen when you get one person that starts to tire. And I do think that could be a problem for Amanda for this camp uh, as related to her other ones previously. I'm with you guys there too, man. I think uh, Amanda's, I'm sorry, Megan will do a good job of using her size to kind of whether the early storm of Amanda and then the in those late rounds, like you said, Dave, anyone can tire, anything can happen. But I do like that go to distance. Bet yeah. And the, even the rounds bet. I'm not quite sure I want to take Megan on the win. You can definitely see it. Like you said, uh, Amanda's been dominant as of late. And there comes a point in some fighters to where you're not really as motivated. And that kind of, you know, hinders you at some point coming up. You know, if she, if she does get a win. What's next for Amanda? Who knows? But Well, look, Lee, you'll find this out. I'm bowling and Edgar already know it. Most of my life experiences come from Rocky. And in Rocky <laughs> 3, you know, Mickey, what did Mick say to Rocky before he lost to Mr. T, the clubber? He said, the worst thing that happened to you, kid, is you got civilized. Well, I think Amanda, <laughs> now that she's a mom, right, she's the goat, she's been anointed. How hungry can you possibly be? I mean, that's what separates the truly greats because they always seem to find something to motivate them. But it will be a challenge because life changes you. I remember when Tiger was on his way and he was going to break Jack's record. And Jack said, wait till Tiger gets married and has kids. It will change him. Mm. It changed Tiger in different ways than we thought. Mm -hmm. But that really is a real thing. I don't think it's a made-up narrative 
when people have kids, people get married, people change their life. They are not singularly focused on what has made them great. Amanda didn't have Nina Ansaroff in her life until they met fighting. And then, boom, now you're married. Now you have a kid. Your life changes. And that's just that's kind of the way the circle happens. I just wonder. I know Megan is hungry. And I know she's looking at this as this is her opportunity. And she is not going to back down from this situation. Felicia Spencer, I got the sense it was a little bit too much too soon. I mm-hmm. do not get that sense from Megan Anderson. I get the sense that she's like, that's cool. Everybody talk about Amanda. Everybody talk how great she is. You should do that. But don't worry. There will be somebody else in that octagon Saturday night. And you're all going to find out find out why. Wait, this just in. Uh, Megan just got drafted by Team LeBron. Um, with her six, <laughs> with her like six foot two self, um, right? Is she playing? No, but, is she shooting guard or point guard? What's she gonna play there? Yeah, she's Dame, a combo Dame guard. Dame Leonard style, yeah. Dame Leonard style, guard. you know. She can guard almost every position. Oh, she can guard or she can defend. That's for damn sure. <laughs> no, I I do think that you brought up um, her ground game. I do think that she does really good work off of her back, mm-hmm. which is going to be something different that I think Nunez might kind of um, be thrown off of, uh, yes. from, I should say, rather. And there's plenty of different fights where, she, like you said, she tries to throw up a triangle or she mm-hmm. baits a person into kind of giving them her arm. Um, so with her, their arm. Uh, so with that, I I do actually like sprinkling, sprinkling a little bit on Megan. Yeah. Um, I, I do think Nunez, yeah, I do think Nunez is going to win it, but with those odds, you kind of have to give it to her. Um and I, I completely agree with the narrative thing. Um, perfect example of this, honestly. And I've said this before, dumb sports spring kind of kicks in. Like Manny, Manny Pacquiao, when he said that he found God and he stopped drinking and he stopped cheating oh. on his wife, went on like a two or three fight <laughs> loss streak, okay? Oh, so I, I'm saying it right now. That shit happens. Right? <laughs> it's a real thing. Like, I want my people to be killers. It's a combat sport. I don't – Amanda is very nice. She's very sweet. Bowling, you remember when she was in uh-huh. Chicago, Edgar, you did too. I mean, she is such a likable person. Megan has got a bit of a, a, a different demeanor about her, and I kind of like my people edgy, and she's edgy. Like, I just get that sense for her that she's like – like when she said today, I believe the, the – the, to paraphrase the quote was – you know, everybody's the best until they're not. And then she just put the mic down. Like oh. She just kind of slammed the mic down. Like, like I really don't have anything else to say. Great. You guys can keep kissing her ass, and you should. But I'm not. And I'm here to win. I'm not here to be a, a, another Felicia Spencer. I'm here to be the next champion at 145 pounds. And, again, it's a bigger weight class for Amanda. Like, it's uh-huh. not like she's lived at this division. She is a natural 135-er. She only went up to fight Chris Cyborg. And clearly she's defended it against Felicia, but this is a real bigger woman that's going to be in front of her face on Saturday night. And I really am going to be interested to see not like Chris Cyborg, killer weight cuts, even to make it to 145. It's mm-hmm. a natural 145 er she's going to be very comfortable in her weight. And like you said, Lise, she does not, even though Amanda's got her BJJ, she is not going to be afraid to go down to, down to the mat and try to throw up some triangles and see if she can trap an arm or trap a, trap a, a neck. I mean, she's going to go hunting. And if you want to play that ground game, she's certainly not going to shy away from it. 
Speaking of natural killers, it seems like uh, our guy Izzy Arizani moving on to the main <laughs> event here. Izzy is moving up to light heavyweight to take on Jan Bohovic. And Dave, he, I know we speak about their natural weight class and, and how they feel. And Izzy actually came out and said that he's not really planning on bulking up for this. He said he's planning no. on coming into this fight at around 195, one, at, at, uh, yeah, 195, 205. Is that? Oh, boy. That that's pretty light, and and, and Bohovic uh, Bohovic has said that he, he feels comfortable at two twenty. So he's stepping in there at a twenty pound disadvantage. Is this something that you see kind of affecting him much, or is he just too good? Well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> this, this 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 bothers me, Izzy, because I saw the pictures of you today. The dude is just shredded, yeah. but he looks SML. I mean, he does not <laughs> look like a light heavyweight, right? No. I mean, he looks like a middleweight. Heck, he, he looks like he could fight at 170. I mean, Jan Blachowicz is a huge dude. And, yeah. I mean, Polish power is a real thing with that dude. And we saw what he did to Dominic Reyes. And Dominic Reyes, his body type is more like an Israel Adesanya's, right? Like, real cut, real muscular but not exactly like this huge dude. And he couldn't take the body shots from Jan at all. Those are nasty so kicks. That really worries me. What Izzy's got to do, and this is why I love the over in this fight as well for rounds, Izzy's got to take him to the deeper rounds. He has to. Because Jan is going to be strong early. He's going to be physically stronger. And do not try to take him out early. Don't. I know you're going to try to do the leg kicks. Because Jan's going to be in a fighting position as a, as a boxing stance, if you will. So he's going to try to attack that lead leg. That's what Ricardo and I were discussing bowling on the uh, mm-hmm. on the preview show. So you watch for that. That's something that, that he's going to do. If he can do that and, and kind of keep his distance early from Jan, then, yeah, he can chop the tree down and eventually get him out of there in the later rounds. It's not going to be early. I, I don't see this fight being over early. I don't see Israel Adesanya walking through – Jan Plahovic in one or two rounds. I mean, I could be wrong, but I just don't see that. So I think Jan is going to have this bottled up energy and he's going to first three rounds, certainly the first two. If you get close, you might get slept. Uh That is a real possibility here. And he needs to, I don't care, call it running, call it whatever you want to call it. He needs to keep his distance away from Blahovic early. And then as he chops the lead leg, and that becomes compromised, which I, this is the way I kind of see it happening. Then he can get more aggressive. Then he can pot shot like a Floyd Mayweather will. Once he knows he has you, you guys have seen Floyd fight so many times. Uh-huh. Once, once he knows he has you and you can't touch him, that's when he's, he's you just can't beat him. Yep. That's what I think Izzy's going to try to do. Kind of wound the, wound the big beast early, drag him into the deeper waters, and then sink him late. So I, I agree, and – I'm looking – I think that Izzy has a real shot to win this despite his weight. I, I'm with you. I saw the photos, and I'm like, ooh, right. this is a smaller dude. And, you know, I, I do I'm, – I'm, like, worried to bet this because I feel like Izzy's going to be, like, super hypercharged and really trying to go after him right away, and he might just catch a jab and just disintegrate. You know, like, yes. if you just <laughs> a short jab and just, like, boom. But – for me, I've noticed this trend in the last few events. Like everyone's doing these shin kicks and it's like <laughs> trying to chop down the tree. And if Izzy can do that, and like you said, not run, but like dance, like make it move, yep. you know, prance around the, the freaking octagon as much as you can to get him to 
get his heart rate up and start breathing heavy and then, you know, take your shots from there. But I don't know. I, I'm worried. I, I love Izzy a bunch. I think he's great. I think he's super great for the UFC. His personality is fantastic. I think everything that he does is just like super high energy. Yeah. But I'm, I'm just so nervous that he's going to put his, put his chin in there and talk a little shit and he might just get knocked out, man. <laughs> well, well, what was arguably the best fight that we've seen out of Sanya in? The Kelvin Gastelum fight, right? Yeah. Who, who resembles Calvin Gaston body type mm. than Wojovich? Yeah. Just but a bigger version of Calvin Gaston, right? I mean, that fight was just, I mean, let's go. That was mm-hmm. so much fun to watch. He does that against Jan Wojovich, going to get knocked out. He cannot yeah. fight that fight that he fought against Calvin Gaston and win it that way, in my opinion. I, I don't think he can win that style of fight. So those are where you get tricked into going, oh, you want me to put on a show? You want me to show you that I'm the GOAT? You want me to stand with the trade with the bigger guy and knock him out? Let me show you. That's where all of a sudden the lights can go out and you wake up going, what the hell happened? Dave, so, in your in your opinion, do you think that after that fight with Gaslam, like he got back to his camp and they were like, all right, man, you won, but don't ever do that shit again. Yeah. <laughs> you I, might get in trouble. He doesn't have to fight that way. He's so skilled, right? He He's he's so much more skilled than Jan Blachowicz that he does not have to fight that style. But, you know, it's like – you kind of hear Dana White in your ear a little bit and go back to Tyron Woodley where there's certain guys that even though they're champions, they're not stylistically that much fun to watch. Mm -hmm. So they want to put on that ultimate show for you. And that's what Adesanya has done. He always puts on a show. I mean, it's must see TV. I hope at some point he realizes I'm already great. Now we're talking about goat status. Now we're talking about history of the UFC. GSP fought some clunkers, but he won. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about those, right? We just talk, oh, George St. Pierre is one of the best of all time. Well, that's because he doesn't have to be in a firefight every single time. Yep. There's so many guys out there. I almost look at it, and I heard Izzy say today, hey, I'm going back down the middle. I'm not staying here at, at light heavy. So the John Jones fight that I think everybody wants, that I certainly want, that doesn't sound like that's coming next if he beats Blahovich. No. It sounds like he's going right back down to 185 because that's just where he knows it. He knows he's not big enough. Could you, and, could you and that's Izzy? good business for him. Yeah. Can you Shit. imagine Izzy against Cormier? No. Just, just imagine <laughs> that body type at 205. I mean, Cormier It's like Rocky is, versus Bullwinkle. We don't want to see that shit. No, he's going he's gonna to pick him up and ragdoll him. That's what Cormier would do. So, yeah. like, I wonder if this fight he realizes, I need, I need to just win, become a double champ, and then I'm in that category of all the double champs that we've seen. You know, I'm the kind of McGregor where I hold two and at the same time. There's only, what, four people that have done it. Nunez is also one of those people. So you create the history. I get that. But then quickly go back to your division. Go I, back home to 185. Yeah, I, I do think, though, that his mental makeup is so great because he doesn't actually get talked into those exchanges that much. Like against Paulo Costa. Paulo Costa was shit-talking in the middle of the ring. So was Yoel Romero where he actually stopped and did the – arm yes. block thing, the high guard thing. <laughs> I, I feel like he kind of has a mental toughness now where he isn't trying to put on that show like he did against Kelvin Gaslam, where when he came out at the beginning of the fifth round, he said, I'm willing to die for this. Uh, I don't think he's trying to do that anymore. I actually think that he's going to um, pick and choose his spots this fight. Um, I do. I actually think that he's going to win by knockout. And wow. the, reason, the reason is this. It's because uh, Reyes actually did have a couple of um, kicks, uh, left left kicks in particular, mm-hmm. 
And John Jones actually even tweeted it out. Uh, mm-hmm. He tweeted it out during Reyes versus Blahovich fight. He said the left kick is there. I actually think that Adesanya is going to set that up. He's going to set it up for maybe once, twice in the fight and see if he could catch him with that. And from there, try to use his kickboxing prowess to finish the fight off. It's, um, a, it, it's an astute observation because even in the Robert Whitaker fight, right? And we all remember the knockout. He, he uh-huh. chopped down the lead leg of, of the Reaper. I mean, that was really the beginning of the end. So we always see the finishes. And you, you do not, lose, but a lot of people forget the work put in to get to that finish. So you're right. I, I could see that late if he chops yeah. that leg early and then he just got a one-legged fighter who can't even set that front foot to get the power necessary to take out a guy like Adesanya. Uh, I mean, Blahovich has got to get close. Obviously, there's a danger there. But if this fight's a distance, it's an easy night for Adesanya. If this fight is close, like the Gastelum fight, that's where it really gets intriguing to me. Yeah, and, and I think that it's, it is going to be a long fight. Um, I'm saying around the fourth round is when it's going to happen, uh, midway through the fourth, because Adesanya is also very good with his feints. Mm. Um, I, think, I think he's specifically going to set up that one kick every round before that. Um, Blahovich is going to try to cut the distance. He's, I think his, his um, game plan is actually going to be to try to knock him out like how he did Luke Rockhold, where he kind of gets him in the middle of an exchange and tries to land that Polish power and just do a one-hit quitter on Adesanya. I think that's what he's going to try to look for. I think Adesanya is going to continuously faint to try to set up that one head kick. Um, yeah, let me ask you guys one one crazy theory, because we're talking all about what Izzy's going to do, right? What if Blahovich, because we're all talking about, you know, the left hook or, you know, going for one, one big punch. What if he does the Gastelum method and shoots? Because mm. I, don't, I don't think Izzy's going to be looking for that. He's going to be looking for the power, right, early? Because yep. that's what Gastelum did to really kind of slow down Adesanya and make that more of an even fight. So if you can get the if, – if you're the big guy and you can physically wear on him early, maybe that could change the complexion of the fight. I wonder if that's a strategy for Blahovich if he's even thinking about incorporating level changes and like, yeah. all right, let me throw that left and then let me go for a double leg and see if, if I can get this guy down. Because then, like you were saying, Edgar, then you've got a guy that's probably fight night, 30 pounds heavier than mm-hmm. you, wearing your ass out. Yeah, and that's that, a- that would be that's, a problem, right? That's going to be an issue. And I, and I think that that's a good that's a good call out too because if they do end up on the ground and he can really just like get him in full mount, maybe get him on his back and just like wear him down. If he starts to give him body shots on the ground, he's not going to be able to take that. You know, I, I think that the body shots are very are something that we got to watch out for, especially if they're in close, because at that weight in that division, like you could knock someone out with a body shot, you know, like you could just really end it. So I'm, I'm looking for that too. And I hadn't thought about, you know, Jan kind of getting down on the ground. And like I mean, yeah, down. That's, That's scary sight. Yeah. I don't think anybody thinks, I mean, I don't think anybody's visualizing that style of fight, but I think it'd be an interesting technique and strategy mm-hmm. to implore because I don't think Izzy's going to be looking for that. Certainly not right away. And if you, if you could do that, that might sap some of his energy and his speed. And if you get Izzy flat footed, later in the fight and like the Gaston fight again, then that left hook and then, you know, maybe the body kick, like he hurt Reyes to the body, you know, that we, we might see a, a, and still at, at 205 instead of and new. I, I'm still with you guys. I'm, I'm picking Izzy, 
But this is kind of why I like all these fights to go over the fight totals. I wouldn't be stunned if all three fights go the distance. It would not surprise me. Mm, that sounds like a parlay. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, if Izzy's trying to become champ champ, can he afford to be patient if he's the, the challenger at this point? Because I feel like with Romero, obviously Romero was a challenger, so he, he, he was probably kind of waiting on him so he could you know counter him. But uh, with him trying to go after the belt, can he afford to be a little more patient here? That's a great question. And that Romero fight still is one that bothers me to this day because I, <laughs> I was so excited for that fight. And those two guys just clearly didn't want to go. And then they blame the other for, for not going. I don't <laughs> think that's in Blahovich's nature. I, I can't see that, that happening where if Izzy kind of waits and does the Matrix thing on him, I don't think Jan steps away and says, no, 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 I'm the champ. You come to me. I'd be surprised. I think Jan feels like he can't hurt me right away. His, his power cannot get me out early. I think that's his mentality. He might be wrong, but I think that's what he's thinking. So, therefore, he's not going to be that cautious of Adesanya. Clearly, the speed advantage is there. And if he takes too many of those, a la Pacquiao, we all saw the De La Hoya fight. I'll never forget that. And you saw how the speed, when he went up and weighed against a much bigger guy like Oscar that night, he just demoralized him with the speed. Adesanya could do that to Blahovich, where you just can't see them coming and you can't stop him and he, he's hitting me with the leg kicks and then he's hitting me with a jab and I, I don't know where it's coming from that could happen but I think early on Blahovich's mental outlook is he can't knock me out so mm. therefore I'm ready to wade into some deep waters and I'll stand if he wants to stand with me he's got a dance partner let's <laughs> see what you got kid because I know you're a blown up 185 I am a big 205 good luck handling my power What's another fight on this card, whether it be on the prelims or one of the other two on the main card that uh, excites you the most? Alexander Rakic against Tiago Santos. I, <laughs> I am so jacked for this fight, fellas. Uh, these Look, Santos, before he blew out both knees in the John Jones fight, first of all, just, just compartmentalize that. The guy blew out both of his knees against John Jones and basically just wouldn't quit. I mean, until they finally stopped it. He just wouldn't quit. I, he's tough as nails. He's got a sledgehammer on his chest. I mean, you know how tough he is. <laughs> and Rockets is rocketing up the light heavyweight division. And he's got mad skills. And he's got legit power at 205. This fight to me, Rockets is, is the guy. We know Santos. He's the known commodity. Rockets is the guy that's going to make his introduction to the rest of the, to the fringe UFC fans on Saturday night. I love Santos. But now he's lost twice in a row. He lost to Glover to Shara's last time out. And I talk, talk about this with Ricardo Lamas all the time. It's hard, man. When you lose a couple and you're battling coming off crippling injuries like that, we have to oh. basically reconstruct both your knees or both your legs. I mean, it's hard to ever mentally be the same guy again. We're seeing it with Dominic Cruz. When you have that type of injury, uh, it, it's hard to ever get back to the guy we remember. So I hope he can. But give me the guy that doesn't have those physical ailments. Give me the guy that feels like he's just on a he's a locomotive train and can't be stopped. Give me that guy where he is mentally. So that's why I really like Rockets in this fight against Santos. And if he's as sensational as I think he's going to be Saturday night against the name guy in Santos, depending on what happens here, um, yeah, he could be on a short list of maybe one more, and then he's looking at a title shot. Yeah, that knockout that Rakic had against Manoa, that was sick. <laughs> that head kick, that's a highlight reel right there. Um, I, yeah, that, that fight that fight's going to be awesome. 
Timmy Manawa and I have beef because oh. <laughs> our, our buddy, our buddy Tim Doyle and I, I'll never forget. I think it was the Cormier Jones rematch card. Manawa was on that against, uh, against CO Alexander, against uh, Corey Alexander all night, right? 24 seven, I think is his nickname. He's now, I think at Bellator. And I told, I told Timmy, I said, man, if there's one fight I love, it's Jimmy Manawa on this card. It's Jimmy Manawa. And we loaded up and he got knocked out. Like, a, I don't know, two minutes into the fight. And I'm, just, <laughs> I'm sorry, Brits. I, I struggle to take you seriously after what I've seen Jimmy Manoa just get knocked out and knocked out and the Rockets knocks him out. Like, I can't trust you, Jimmy Manoa, anymore. <laughs> I don't like guys with bad chins that I put money on. That was a crazy one, for sure. I definitely, <laughs> I definitely agree with you there. I just wanted to toss in one last question. Dom Cruz is back. Do you yeah. think he gets a dub or... Maybe maybe should have stayed uh, on the couch. <laughs> All right. Well, here, here's the tough one for me for this fight. He's on the prelims. He's mm. on the prelims. I mean, like, great. If you're watching regular ESPN, you're going to be able to watch Dominic Cruz, mm-hmm. arguably the best Bantamweight, or at least at one time we thought he was the best Bantamweight. I'd hate to see him lose. I mean, the Cejudo loss was pretty brutal, pretty yep. complete, pretty devastating. Um I asked Ricardo this too, like, you know, why? Like, what's, what's, what's does he need? But, and Edgar, you know this about me. I will never retire an athlete. I'm never going to tell a guy, you need to shut it down. Because it's your life. If it makes you happy and you still have something to prove, in your mind, that's all that matters. So, to me, it's in his mind. So, I do expect him to win because I got to think he believes, whether we believe it, that he's got one more run in him. Like, Old man Dom's got one more championship run, and it starts Saturday night on the prelims way too early in a fight card. So is that the underdog pick? Is that the underdog pick right there? I'm taking Dom. I can't bet against greatness, please. I can't do it. <laughs> I, my body and my mind won't let me pick against, like, Tom Brady. Like, I was telling everybody all, all during the playoffs, like, every week, take Tom Brady over Drew Brees. Take Tom Brady over Aaron Rodgers. Take Tom Brady over Pat Mahomes. Just do it, and you're going to wake up Monday a much happier man. You can't bet against Dom Cruz in this spot. You're going to wake up Sunday and go, really? I put it on the up-and-comer against the, the established GOAT. Give me, give me the guys that we know can do it, and they might not be great all the time, but they just need to be great enough to beat the up-and-comers. Yeah, I'm sticking with Dom Cruz here. And you know he's going to dance in the middle of the ring, too, or in the <laughs> middle of the octagon. Just don't blow out your knee when you do it. That's all I have. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you can catch him on Stadium. You can follow him on Twitter at Dave Ross Sports. Dave, man, thanks so much for joining us today. Man, it's great talking with you guys. Uh, it's it's fun whenever you need me, whenever you want to talk fights, anything else. Uh, I'm always happy. It's good to hear y'all's voices. Saucy, I'm going to hit you with Thank some you. texts this weekend like I normally do for these big events. and <laughs> We're going to have some fun. I'm looking forward to the early prelims. We'll be locked in the whole night. But definitely, definitely thank you for uh, for joining us. It's been a lot hey. of fun. Appreciate you guys. Uh, Best of luck in the pod, man. Break a leg. It's pretty awesome. When we come back, we're going to look at a survey that came out recently and see who's really at the ballpark to watch the game and who's there to just booze. Back in a bit. It's Yap. Yap Chicago, we're back. We got you set for uh, four weekends of fights. Hopefully you guys have fun watching those. Get your snacks. Get your beers. Speaking of beers, 
this random ass survey. I, I I couldn't even tell. I couldn't tell in the picture who even put together this survey. I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't. <laughs> even when I tried to zoom in on it, it got too pixelated for me to see. But it had the White Sox number one for fans that what is it drink the most at a baseball game. Yes, and it's specifically at the game, so it doesn't take into consideration bars on outside, um, pre-gaming, anything of that nature. Um, but with that being said, win or lose, we fucking booze, all right? So <laughs> we are number one, just like we're going to be number one at the end of the year. So let's fucking go, boys. Mm, I have problems with this, but that's okay. I think that a random survey is just a random survey, so I'm not going to let it affect my week. It's definitely not going to affect my weekend. If we want to put it to the test, I'm down to sit outside of the state or sit inside the stadium and see how many beers we can finish. We can mark the shit on our wrists or whatever, like we did in Cup high snakes, school baby. and see how many we had. Maybe do a case race. I don't know, but I definitely want to, I got to get some get back for that. I, I am a man of science. So I believe in these charts. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so basically you believe anything they put on the internet. Okay. Got it. Yes. No, we- <laughs> Also, how the hell is San Diego only spending about $27 at a ballpark on beer? I don't think because they have a lot of fans. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, it's there's a, so much nicer shit to do in San Diego than go watch baseball. But Maybe at, that's one, it. two, three, four. But they're fifth on the list, averaging 3.7 beers and only spending $27? That's mm. like seven and change Maybe for see, beer? Be, because I think the Mets were, like, right in the middle, and theirs was, like, $53, wasn't it? Wow. Damn. That That's actually is pretty beer. interesting. <laughs> I mean, if you're t- if you're telling me that you could have you know over three beers and spend you know not even thirty bucks, our show trips might be in San Diego. That shit, I won't I won't say no to that. So you got the weather, <laughs> you got Darvish, you got Tatis. God, I mean that's that's, that's about right. You could get a Modelo for like eight bucks at Comiskey. What? Yeah. Are you sure? I feel like it's it's ten dollars a beer no matter where. Yeah, I see. I feel the same way. I feel like I've never, but maybe it's just because it's eight fifty and I just give a ten, or I buy two and just give a twenty. Because I feel like I've never spent less than ten bucks on a beer. Like I don't ever remember getting two dollars and fifty cents back or a dollar fifty back. Like I, I, I think I just gave them the money anyways. So I mean, shit. Maybe we do need to take that trip out to San Diego. That sounds pretty good to me. I mean, for the purposes of science, we got to hit up Guaranteed Rate, Wrigley, and now San Diego's on the list. Yeah, that so sounds great. <laughs> we out here. Our, our, our crack research team, um, crack. as of 2019 for Comiskey, you could get a beer as low as $4. The highest priced one is $12. What do you get for 4 bucks? The warm beer that some Fuck. guy snuck in. Fucking bush. <laughs> Hey, no, no, no slander on blue smoothies, man. I'm good. I'm down for a bush latte anytime. I don't forget where I came from. Those are my favorite. I hate this shit, man. I go out and like we're having drinks with friends, and everyone's like, "I'm gonna get an IPA. I'm gonna get a whatever the fuck." Now you can't do that, especially if you're trying to give me a fucking light beer, and I'm good to go. And it's funny because like I say it like I'm trying to be tougher than somebody else, but. I just don't want to be knocked off my ass for three beers. Yep. Like, I want to sit here and drink all day. Yeah, um, but, I mean, the good thing at, at Comiskey is the fact that there is a nice little bars that you could get, like, mixed drinks and stuff. Because, I mean, I know I've been hammered getting fucking Jack and Cokes there. Oh, to yeah. To the point where they, they, they just start giving you doubles. And, I mean, you're, you guys already know whiskey's my number one. 
Listen, my <laughs> my allegiance lies on the north side, but when I'm on the south side, I just need to see that guy with the margarita backpack, and I'm good <laughs> to go. Fire that shit up on a hot sunny summer day, and I'm ready to roll, baby. <laughs> All right, I don't know if I'm getting whiskey at uh at the ballpark, but definitely I'm getting our whiskey picks for this weekend. Please, why don't you kick us off with your pick? <laughs> Um, yeah, definitely. So I'm going to go. I know we spoke about UFC earlier with Dave Ross. I actually have a pick that we didn't speak about, Islam Makachev. Um, that's actually Habib Nurmagomedov's boy. Uh, he keeps saying that he's actually better than him. Um, DC Whoa. actually DC actually spoke about it too on um, DC and Ariel show earlier this week on ESPN. He actually said that his wrestling is better than Habib's. He actually said that if they were to go one-on-one against each other, that he actually would put money on Islam. Um, he's a heavy favorite. Ooh. I believe it, he's a minus 325 favorite. Um, I'm That's just for him to win. I actually am going to pick him by knockout um, oh, wow. simply, simply because I think that he's just going to overpower the other guy, uh, Dober. He's going to take him to the ground, and he's uh, just going to pummel him. Yeah, man, I'll be looking forward to that. I mean, what, what what's the odds on it? Do you have it in front I- of you? It doesn't show for knockout right now. Um, I couldn't find it. Let me try to find it on DK. So if you want, you can talk about your pick while I look up the. Yeah, the, the, I can. I got it here. Islam by knockout is plus 650. Whoa. All right, I'm in. I love that kind of value. And you sold me. That's why I wanted to know what the number was. I'll be putting that in as soon as we have the conclusion of this show. For my whiskey pick, Instead of UFC, I know we talked a lot about the Megan Anderson fight with our uh, interview with Dave Ross. Do love that, but going against the grain, we got a halftime dunk contest, three participants, Obi Toppin, Anthony Simons, and my pick, Cassius Stanley. Last I saw on Bovada, he was plus 200, two to one in the dunk contest, three participants. That guy's got wild bounce. I watched a lot of Duke last year from work you know they were much better obviously than they are this year that kid can fly and i think i don't remember the exact number but at the draft combine i think he got up to like 46 inch vertical which is pretty nuts so expecting that a guy who had a, a a stint in the g league this year hasn't really played in the rotation for the pacers as much as he probably wants to this is his time to shine his moment He's in his element. He's going to be right there in Atlanta, and I'm taking him to win the dunk contest at 2-1. to one. All right, and I'll wrap up the whiskey picks. I actually am going to go to the Megan Anderson and Amanda Nunes fight. I like this when uh, even when I was doing my research for our, our talk with Dave, but I love that Amanda Nunes' last two fights have gone a distance. I love Megan Anderson's size. I think that's going to give her a big advantage, at least early on, to kind of hold off the early attack of Amanda. And I think for that reason... I'm not exactly going to go the distance because I think there's still Amanda still packs enough power where it won't surprise me if you know if she if uh, if Megan Anderson gets caught and gets put away. But I'll definitely go over two and a half rounds at plus one forty. I thought about going over three and a half, but I think I'm just going to stick with two and a half. I feel a little better about that, and that's at plus one forty. Yeah, man, we talked enough about that fight. I'm pumped up. I think that I'll probably place that bet. As well, I, I kind of lean towards the going the distance. I think Dave kind of just like set me up because I, I was looking for a good reason to bet that one, and I didn't want to take you know any props on Nunez. 
I do like that one to go to the distance, and I might sprinkle a little bit of money on Megan because who knows, man? Maybe it's her time. Man, and all three of them have plus sides, so if you parlay them together, that's is a lot of whiskey that you're fucking going to be able to buy. Yeah, with these you'll, get to, you'll get to pick your whiskey, whatever you want, dude. You can get blue label. Hey, might have to, might have to, or at least uh, that'll be about eight beers at Kaminsky or Wrigley this summer, or a hundred in San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> right, we got to get a sponsorship so we can get that money, that cash flow, and we can get on a plane. Hopefully, we can hit up a uh, Montezuma Tequila, see if they're still interested. Oh God! Nah, I think we're good. <laughs> Every time you guys say it now, it just like brings back that like cold flush sweat feeling where I'm like, oh God, here we go again. I, I'd rather car trip it over there than take a flight and have to drink Montezuma. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, don't forget to follow us at, on Twitter at YapChicago underscore. Also, our mailbox is still available, guys. It's not all. It's not just full of spammers. It's not full. It's not just for your, your extended car <laughs> warranties. Don't forget to leave us a message at 312-985-6006. We'd love to hear from you guys. Have a good weekend, everyone. Well, thanks again to Dave Ross for joining us to preview USC 259 for bowling, for Lees. I'm Edgar. This is Yap Chicago. <laughs>